I feel like this week I should apologise to the listeners for the terrible audio quality. I don't know how the audio will be bad. I just know it will be. It's it's a roulette every week. You sound good to me. Oh, I'm not talking about my audio quality, mm. Jonathan. Oh. I'm sure that my setup is doing just fine. Oh. There was a whistle on um, on the last episode. Every time you spoke, just a... <laughs> Bad. Yeah, and you didn't hear it at the time when I was. Just I didn't talking hear it to at you. the time. No, no, mm. no, because I think I've said before. I think you're some sort of weird walking EMP field where technology around you just dies on the on the the vine, so to speak. Or like uh, there's, if I remember correctly, green kryptonite kills Superman, and then like red kryptonite just makes him really weird. Yeah, like it just makes him like want to tickle people or. Or vomit and stuff. Like it, it, it doesn't hurt him exactly. It just makes bad decisions. I feel like I do that. Yeah, you're red kryptonite, Jonathan. <laughs> I feel it. Jonathan was on Road Rules Northern Trail in 1998. Since then, he has appeared in precisely zero award-winning TV shows, blockbuster movies, or community theater plays. We are here to fix this. We are here to make Jonathan off Road Rules a star. Boston's favorite son will ride again. Jonathan, rider in the night, riding a bicycle. It's not, it's not that cool. No, no. <laughs> it, it sets you up as, as a... As, as a mysterious night rider. And then it's just a bicycle. It's got a basket on the front and a little bell. Ring, ring, rider in the night. It's not even a BMX. It's not even a cool bicycle. It's just a regular old-fashioned two-wheeled bicycle with a basket. Yeah. He's got his morning paper in the basket in the front. It's wicker. The basket's wicker. Yeah, it's just something I'm working on. I, I, I feel like... Like, we could get you into the Marvel Universe. Like, I know they're talking about a Ghost Rider movie, but I think Rider in the Night, Jonathan Holmes on his bicycle (laughs) would would be way more exciting. Speaking of Marvel movies, uh, Spider-Man 3 was on TV last night. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, well, I mean, everyone's talking about those hot new Marvel movies. And we here on Boston's Favourite Son, a podcast designed, I should add, to raise your profile and get you into the mainstream conversation, get you integrated into the cultural zeitgeist. And I don't mind saying that. We really should be talking about hot properties like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So tell us about Spider-Man 3 starring Tobey Maguire. And and uh, the guy from that 70s show. I saw yes. him in theaters and I walked out and saying like, yep, that's a classic. Everyone's going <laughs> to love that. Uh, because you know me, when I see stuff that is obviously what people hate, I think, hmm, good choice. Like every time. Star Wars prequels. Spider-Man 3. But this time I watched it and I understood that it was bad for the first time, which was a weird feeling for me to actually not like something that everyone else also doesn't like. Topher Grace! Topher Grace! That's his name! Sorry, I shouted. I think that broke the microphone. But I still actually really liked it. Willem Dafoe's in it. There's this part. It's so good. I don't... it's, it's It's almost like the writer's 
wanted the movie to die. Like it was, it was like putting a pillow over the movie's face and like just gently letting it uh, pass into the night and into death because, you know, the plot, there's a man and another man and they're upset because the man's father was killed and he thinks it was the other man who did it. And he says, I know you killed my dad. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. It's just that for the whole movie. Then all of a sudden a butler comes up and he goes, you know what, though? I could have told you last year, but it just came to mind that I loved your father and he killed himself. Your friend didn't do it. Okay. And then he just leaves. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're best friends again. It's the, it's the least subtle, organic, believable plot twist. I've ever seen in a in a Marvel movie. It's a great film. <laughs> I, I like the bit where Tobey Maguire has his hair and dances. That part is very good to me because it's really making fun of anyone who actually wanted to see a movie about <laughs> Spider-Man being a, t- a cool, tough guy who's not a nerd anymore. Like he, he, Sam Raimi is so married to the idea that Peter Parker is always the biggest nerd and is never a cool. Which is the opposite of what people want from a superhero movie. They want cool. They want cool superheroes. So when you say, I'm riding the wicker basket as the, the rider of the night, I'm thinking like Sam Raimi would get that. Yeah, Sam Raimi would make Johnny Johnny the rider of the night. Rider of the night. He once had baseball cards in the spokes of his bike, but he took it out. It was too noisy and annoying. So he stopped that. <laughs> I'm picturing the theme song, uh, you singing it in the movie, and then just turning to the camera and stop singing because it was noisy and annoying. Yeah, I'll be dressed like Meatloaf. <laughs> rider of the night, oh, rider of the night. That's my, that's my award-winning impersonation of Meatloaf. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, mm, mm. so we've already convinced the kids who are listening to this that you are cool because you know what Spider-Man is. Three. Yeah, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, you've seen Spider-Man 3 twice. So that means you're twice as cool as anyone ever because no one's watched it twice. So let's capitalise on that because I think what we really need to do to raise your profile is to convince the kids that you and me as well a bit are cool. And that's the T, sis. Duh. Huh? The T-sister? That's the T-sister. That's the T-sister. I'm saying cool things that people say in the youth. I had no idea. They're saying that's the T now? Oh, yeah. I stand for people saying that is the T now, friend. What is the T? I stand for it. Like the like the Eminem song, Stan? Oh, I stand all I stunned and I can't stand no more. I know about swaggy and swagger. Yeah. That's a good, that's new. We're swaggy swagger. That's our names. I'm swaggy, you're swagger. It's the swaggy and swagger fun hour. That's what we're doing today. I'm going to do that dance in Fortnite, the twist. You're going to do Chubby Checkers, the twist from Fortnite. Yep. Chubby Checkers, the twist from Fortnite. And I'm going to follow it up by doing the Macarena. I'm going to sing the Macarena for you now. Hmm. 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 Hmm.
<laughs> wow. To quietly hum. <laughs> the dance hit, the rhythm-based dance hit, the Latin-flavored, but flavored also to be palatable to not Latin people. Macarena. The kids love the Macarena, and I've just done it for them. Everyone's doing that dance now. They're putting their hands on their bodies. Mm-hmm. They're quietly humming. Yep, quietly hum <laughs> the bit that they can't do. <laughs> and if they tried to just guess it, they'd sound racist. So they go, <laughs> hey, Macarena, I. I. So we do that as well. Um, other cool phrases. What have I said? I've said, that's the tea. Uh, that ain't it, chief. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yikes, it's not it, chief. Yikes or yoikes. Which one? Yikes. Yikes. Jinkies. I'm bringing back Jinkies. That's one of my own. <laughs> You'd mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Velma. I'm bringing it back. Bringing it back. Um, oh, my puss puss has gone right, Milky. That's one? That's another one. Oh, my puss puss has gone right, <laughs> right, Milky. Milky <laughs> that, old puss puss. That can't really be one. Oh, oh, I feel like someone squirted some milk up my puss puss. That's another one they all like. They, they type this out on Twitter? Oh, yeah. They I'm, type out, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on Twitter they go, ooh, wash my hairy puss puss. I stand for it. I stand for when people wash their hairy puss puss. Jonathan, that's a cool phrase that the kids use, and we're going to say it too. Say it now, Jonathan. Say, ooh, my puss puss has gone right, Milky. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to finish. Ooh, me puss puss has gone right, Milky. There, there you are. Now you're part of cool. the youth culture. Uh, I mean, so not to take you apart and and diffuse your uh, new explosive idea but yeah chubby checkers the twist was actually in spider-man 3 and it's one of the least cool scenes i've ever seen in any movie they're trying to create romantic tension between james franco and dunst who i've been thinking about a lot dunst is in there they're making an omelet and they're they're young people they're young adults in new york city they should have their fingers on the pulse of cool now generational stuff and then the twist comes on. <laughs> and James Franco was like, I'm turning this up while he's making an omelet in the afternoon. Like, this is their this hot sounds awesome. So he cranks, sounds up the, he cranks up the twist. <laughs> and then Dunst, as opposed to being like, you like the twist? She's like, ooh. And then she starts doing the twist. Yeah, she goes, ooh, my puss puss has gone right, Milky. <laughs> And then she drags Franco out on the floor and he does like the worst twist. Like he, he's shaken and quaken, but in a way that looks like he feels like he might fall over and he hates him, his life and himself. And then they kiss because of the twist. Chubby checkers the twist. Well, I think what you're failing to note, Jonathan, is that that scene was cool because of the raw sexual tension between James Franco and Dunst. There, there was a there was a, a vital electric sexual energy in Spider-Man 3 Rise of the Machines. And it was thanks to uh, basically Dunst, who brings a smouldering intensity to every film she's in. She looks barely awake. Like, she looks as though she's been That's smoking marijuana and yeah. is very, like... At ease, but no, no energy. No, that's that's the look now. That's what the kids like. They like, they like to look at Dunst and think she looks high as a kite and bored. <laughs> that is a hot look. It's not. There's no. And then he starts dancing like he's he's like five years old, and she just laughs at him like you are terrible. You are not 
sexy. You are not a man. You are just this idiot creature who turned up the twist for me to dance to as I, uh, with no life in me anymore, just a dead smile, dance on your floor. It's a real, it's a humdinger. Well, people like that. People like that. I, people like, I can't figure out what people like. I'm trying to figure it out. I know what they like. That's why I'm here as your your PR manager, your talent agent, your aide de camp, if you will. Yeah. I've you... got a great idea that's going to make you famous. You do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you worry about it. Is it Spider-Man 3 related? Because that's where my head's at. No, no. We, we're we moving on from that. Uh, I don't know if I can. I'll try. No, we're moving on. We're not going back to that now. Well, we'll see. Well, we're not going back to that. <laughs> oh, well. S- well, don't well me. We, we are done. It's, we've concluded. It's not relevant, Jonathan. <laughs> it's really, it's so relevant. I was sarcastic at first and I strung it along, but it's not relevant. I, I, Most of our <laughs> listeners have tuned out, those that still tune in. I'm really thinking about the webbing on that suit. I mean, oh. It's really, it's got so much dimension to it. There's no reason um, why he would want like, and so yes, you had an idea. Moving on. I'll web you. I'll put <laughs> webbing up your puss puss. I'm gonna I'm gonna sprinkle puspus throughout the episode because it is the hot new phrase that everyone on Twitter is talking about. It's really not. It's it really is. it's either like a weird way too affectionate towards your cat, or a not thinking that it's disturbing but is disturbing discussion of your genitalia. Like either way, you feel very out of touch with with what other people puspus. Yeah, stop it. You you're making me puspus soft with all this. I'll be perfectly honest with you, Jonathan. I'm feeling very attacked right now. You, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that for that. I'm feeling very attacked. I, I've, I have delivered to this show cultural relevancy, and not only are you constantly bringing up Spider-Man three, starring Tobey Maguire, the least charismatic man in Hollywood. I don't even know how Tobey Maguire gets acting gigs. I think he won a contest. He uh, He's sort of a poor man's Lucas Haas from Mars Attacks. I agree Have you that. watched The Great Gatsby? I've tried. Every scene Tobey Maguire is in, I'm convinced he just wandered in and thought the arguments the other characters were having were the actors angry with each other. I think that's how he acts. I think they just shove him into a room and say, Leonardo's pissed the fuck off. Mostly at you. And then he just sits there looking gormlessly at them. He does have eyeballs and they express a certain sort of detached, almost worried, but in the end he's just waiting for everything around him to end. So I was in the grocery store and I saw these deviled eggs on a shelf. Uh-oh. And I thought to myself, as I, I think about you often, it doesn't take much to trigger thoughts of you, Jonathan. Mm. So as I was putting... Let's let's be honest, too many deviled eggs into my shopping basket. Too many deviled eggs. What is a deviled egg, exactly? Okay, well, you get yourself a, a hard-boiled egg, you cut that in half, you mix up the yolk with mayonnaise and stuff and Ooh. make that like a soft paste. Okay. And then you scoop that back into the yolk hole on the egg. And then you eat it. Huh. So it's like an egg-on-egg type deal? Oh, yeah, it's egg-on-egg violence. And I love it. (laughs) I I don't like hard-boiled eggs at all, and I don't like mayonnaise, so I've stayed away. Hot, mayonnaise-covered, egg-on-egg action. Sounds terrifying to me. Oh, you might not like this, then. Oh, definitely not. Are there onions in there? Because, oof. Mm, There weren't onions in there. (laughs) 
But basically, as I was shoveling too many deviled eggs into my basket, I thought to myself, you know what would be good for Jonathan's career? If he watched me eat these deviled eggs. And then I thought... <laughs> wait, wait, that was end of thought at first? I, at, fir- at first, and then I revisited it and thought, right, well, okay, if we're going to make this deviled egg thing work... Um, what are the logistics? Uh, so I imagined, you know, two rickety stools in a basement. We'll go down to a basement. We'll come to my basement. There's a light. It sometimes works. And some water on the floor where the, the water bugs come from. So we'll get these two rickety stools. I'd like them to be like, they're not going to collapse, but you've always got that slight fear that it will. That kind of stool. Um and then I want the stools sat there so that we're facing each other. We sit on the stools facing each other, and I've got these deviled eggs. Oh, like a plastic bag full of them. Ugh. It's like a, a shopping bag, grocery bag, full of deviled eggs. And then I'm eating them an inch away from your face. So my face is an inch away from yours as I raise the deviled egg, eat the deviled egg, <laughs> reach down, Ugh. repeat the process. Ugh. Of me just an inch away from your face, staring at you intensely as I raise the deviled egg and I look at you, almost daring you to do something about it. And then I eat the deviled egg. (laughs) Every now and then I'll just be like, oh, that was a good one. (laughs) Reach down. Raise a deviled egg. Look at you. You think you might see one of my eyes twitch as I just fear the idea of you doing something, as I fear repercussion. But then calm returns to my face. I know what happens next. Eat the deviled egg. Um. Mm. Tasty deviled egg. If I reach down into this bag, Jonathan, an inch away from your face, what do you think I'm going to pull out? Man, I hope it's not a deviled egg because it's disgusting. <laughs> so gross. The, the, the sulfury smell, the mayonnaise, which is just <laughs> oil and white fat. It's just repulsive, just like a, like a chewed up bag of worms is less gross to me than that bag. Oh, look at this, Jonathan. Oh. Oh, it's a deviled egg. There are no surprises here, Jonathan. At the bottom of this bag, there are only more deviled eggs. Is there, do you, oh. I mean, you've got to run out of those eggs someday. Well, I don't think I will get to the end of the bag. Because I believe about 30 minutes in, I suspect, and this is only a hunch, but I suspect, that at some point the intimacy of the deviled eggs will convince you to sleep with me. <laughs> and not, I mean, I think we have slept in the same room before, I think. So I've slept with you, but I'm not sexually engaged with you in any sense. We've of. not taken the inevitable step. We've touched each other. I've hugged you, I think. We've hugged. Yeah, we've but, hugged. But we've not kissed while I've got chewed up deviled egg in my mouth. <laughs> it's true, we've never. And I would like us to do deep kissing with each other. Snowballing a deviled egg. I, I mean, of course, my immediate reaction is like, no, no intimacy. And then I think like, have you even seen me though? <laughs> like, I am really not. Someone on on Twitter, I was just talking about King K. Rule, the Donkey Kong villain, 
And they were like, he's sexy. I'm like, I can't see it. And I, I can't see it in myself because I just look, I look like him now. Like one eye is slightly bigger than the other, always bloodshot, like a big craggy mouth, uh, sort of a smile, but sort of a, sort of a menace and, and a body like that. It's a big flopping around and they want to have sex with them. King, King K rules. So they're like, you need to see the beauty, the sexual majesty of this cartoon animal from Donkey Kong. And I just can't see it and I can't see it in myself and I can't see how you could see it. I mean, there's there's better choices you could make than me. We're doing this for your career. Oh, I forgot. I, I think that if you sleep with me, we will be a celebrity it couple. Think about it this way, right? How innovative is this, right? Most people have to be celebrities first, then they fuck, then they're a celebrity it couple. Mm, if we fuck first, we've cut out all the legwork beforehand. Uh, <laughs> if we, <laughs> the logic's flawless. If we were to make love, if we were to have sex of any kind, we would just be two people having sex, which is happening there. I think probably in the building I'm in right now, there's at least five people having sex. It's just a thing that happens and people don't get famous for, for sex. Well, that's, that's where they trip up. These idiots are having sex on their own time for no reason. We'd be doing it to become a celebrity it couple. But no one would think it was not notable that we did sex. They'd be like, I see, you had sex. And then they would move on. They wouldn't look. So the celebrity it couples, people, like you said, are interested in them first. They're like, oh, wow, what's Ben Affleck doing? He's like a boy next door, but also a millionaire sex machine. And, oh, Jennifer Lopez. She can dance and sing, and she also is from the block. She is somebody who is like me. Oh, they're having sex. Wow, what? If, and then the then the excitement happens. You, see. you make a you make an interesting case, but I I counter with this. Sure, Jennifer Lopez has had sex, but has she had sex near a bag of deviled eggs? Mm? I don't think she would tolerate it. I think she would. Uh, I don't think she would. Yeah. I don't think John. I don't think Jennifer. I almost said Jonathan Lopez. Now there's an idea. I. I don't think Jennifer Lopez would even consider having sex near a bag of deviled eggs. So we're already one step ahead of the game. Well, we're definitely different than her in in many ways. She's she's got things we don't have, and vice versa. But the the things she has are the things that led her to be famous and we don't we don't have those things so we won't be as famous as her i don't understand <laughs> one one thing that's happened in the past week i have had two for by my standards hugely popular tweets on twitter twitter.com these tweets oh my god are, did you stand for something i did not i can i the, the, the first tweet did you shave your hairy puss puss I don't. I don't shave that. I, I keep okay. it from being overly growthy. I don't want it to be. Yeah, you don't. No, you don't want the no. predator from Predator hanging around in there going. I don't. You're right. Yeah, it, 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 that would be quite a lot of uh, growth if the whole predator, who's like seven feet tall, I think. <laughs> yeah, the seven foot tall hunter from beyond the stars was prowling around in your growth, then, yeah, that would be uh, a significant 
lack of grooming on your part. Yeah. Especially if it's fighting Dutch down there. Dutch uh, from the movie Terminator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it's... And then he was in the game, and I saw that you were credited as one of the reasons why so many people have re-experienced the Aliens vs. Predator game by Capcom. Yep. Capcom knew that you thought it was good. I invented Aliens vs. Predator. <laughs> You kind of, you kind of did in a way. Capcom are doing a home arcade machine thing, and Aliens vs. Predator, the old beat them up from the past, is on it. And one of the people working on it said they put it on there um, in no small part due to me banging on about it all the time. So I invented Aliens vs. Predator. You're welcome. And if I remember correctly, you appear in a video game. And in that game, your character has a metal arm that's based on Dutch's metal arm from the Aliens vs. Predator Capcom game. You're sort of a, a Dutch Terminator, Jim Sterling combination. The game's uh, Streets Probably. of Red. Streets of Red. Streets of Red. I can't keep track of all of my uh, my the, the massive cultural craters I leave with my impact. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate. I don't blame you for that. Because you're, you're at it every day, and you're making an impact every day. I am at it every day. <laughs> but, but I am not. I am not as uh, impactful as you. So when I get a tweet that gets 1,000 likes, I'm shocked. I have 12,000 uh, followers, but none of them, they all have me on mute, I think. <laughs> so on average, I do a tweet, and it gets like seven likes. I'm like, oh, wow, seven people. You know, if I was in a room full of seven people, and I said something decent, and they laughed, I'd feel good. So it, what I'm used to, a thousand likes earlier in the week. And I just did one that I think you retweeted, which it helped it, helped it move along in the fame cycle. And it's, how many is it up? I'll check in real time. Checking in real time. 931 likes. That's a lot. 175 retweets. That's a lot for me. That makes you more famous than you were this morning. It, it's, it's working. Something is happening. And you are doing it, I think. A whole 125. Like, that is that is more people than have seen Spider-Man 3 <laughs> twice. It might, it might be. It's, it's not. It's more people than who think Tobey Maguire is an accomplished performer. He gets put down a lot these days. He should be put down. <laughs> upset and he was it took a while he was in three spider-man movies hugely successful movies all three of them even the third one which was critically panned he was in great gatsby you talked about he was in um wasn't he in cider house rules with michael Caine, the discerning michael Caine, who only make the the best of films he would never be willing to make a bad movie i heard that he was sick when he found out he was working with toby mcguire <laughs> I heard that he was sick into his purse. He threw up in his purse. Yeah, he went, oh, 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 was sick. <laughs> this is my award-winning impression of Michael Caine. Oh, oh, I didn't like working with Toby Maguire. I was so upset, I was sick into my purse, and I'll tell you something for nothing now. Oh, oh, my purse, purse has gone right, Milky. <laughs> What is that? Ow. Does that mean he has an infection? What? Milky? My, what? what? My cracked red raw milky puss puss. Oh, I hate it. He hates his own puss puss and it's milky. Oh, I'm not fond of it. And I should know I was in the Italian job. He was in the Italian job. Oh, yeah. I was in Zulu and all. <laughs> 
It's me. Hello. It's me, Michael Caine from Alfie. He played a character named Hoagie in Jaws 4, The Revenge. That's the one where uh, the sheriff, Brody, has died. His wife is craggy and sad, and she doesn't know if she's going to go on. And um, if I, uh, I think Peoples, Mario Van Peoples shows up with a really bad – I know I've talked to you about this before. Do you remember all this? He's got the Jamaican accent. No. So he's somehow racist against uh, people of color, though he is a person of color. He really turns uh, turns things around in a bad way. And then Michael Caine just shows up and says, you won't get on my plane. <laughs> hey, would you fancy a ride? And that's like all he does. He just takes her on plane rides. I think he takes her out to dinner once. And the shark wants to eat her family uh, because it's, it's called Jaws for the Revenge. The shark wants the revenge. Oh, yeah, it's literal. The shark literally wants revenge even though it's a shark. I remember that from it. <laughs> and uh, they blow up the shark at the end this time. Yeah. Wasn't the animatronic broken, but they used it anyway? <laughs> Something fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, you see, like, uh, stuff poking around in the animatronic, and they can only use the head. Brilliant. There's, like, no body in it. It's a it's a Michael Caine movie. You can check it out. Yeah. You could. I've got a movie. You do? Yeah, yeah. What is it? What is this movie? It's an idea I've had for a film. Oh. Starring... The legendary actor Willem Dafoe. Uh, he's a good actor. He's in Spider-Man 3. He is in Spider-Man 3, for fuck's sake. I think Willem Dafoe should be in pretty much every movie. And every now and then I like to come up with ideas for films that Willem Dafoe can star in. And today I would like to tell you about a movie idea I've had called Urban Hermit. Ur- Urban Hermit. Urban Hermit. Little Hermit. Big City. Willem Dafoe plays a hermit. Who lives in a luxury apartment in the city? How do you, wait, how can you be a her- but uh, hermits by nature are away from people? Well, I mean, you know he's a hermit because he's going to have a big long grey beard. He's going to have a big long grey beard and a loincloth, nothing else. And he's he he lives in the penthouse suite of a luxury apartment building mm. in in the in the classy side of town. And he spends most of the movie hanging out the window saying, Get away from me, civilization! I'm a hermit! What? Oh! Oh, my peaceful hermit life has been ruined by industrialization and people! Oh, so many people! And you've got uh, Brendan Fraser outside saying, He moved in three months ago! He's telling us to get out! He knocks on my door. I live across the way. And he knocks on my door and says, get out. Get out of my cave. He thinks it's a cave. Get out of my red controlled cave. So he could choose to just go into a real cave or just get away from civilization. But he's he's choosing to be around people all the time, but then complain about it. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. He lives in a, a rent-controlled apartment. He works a steady job to pay for it. Jeez. And he hates it. It's like, I don't know why I should be working. I'm a hermit, And yet here I am, an usher in a movie theater. He was hired and kept on in a, in a job that that is exclusively about engaging with people, organizing, <laughs> greeting oh, people. Yeah. He's got a long gray beard. He's furious about it. What's he wearing? A uh, loincloth. <laughs> so the, the manager of the movie theater was like, hmm, well, your resume checks out. 
Uh, yeah, wearing a loincloth to the interview. Yep. Charles Dance plays the movie theater owner. Charles Dance from Game of Thrones and Alien 3. And he is, he, he, he's got the resume here. It's like, yeah, I see. So you're a hermit, are you? Yes, I am a hermit. Get out of my, get out of my cave. Get out of here with your civilization. Your capitalism. I tried to get away from it all by moving to New York. And what do I find when I get here? Traffic? Cars? The need for a job? And steady income? Then he does it, though. He doesn't leave. He, 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 why did he, he came, you just, he said he came to New York to get away from civilization. Right? Ah, well, you're... Your resume checks out. When can you start? Tuesday. <laughs> what is Charles? So this was the job interview. Charles Dance is like, <laughs> well, your resume checks out. And then the hermit's just like, I hate you. This sucks. And yeah. he's like, so when can you start? <laughs> immediately, immediately, no further questions. Just got. when can you start? You got the job. That's what happened. Yep. People are in the movie theater. They're watching Avengers Endgame. And in the back, you just hear this hermit. Just, it's too loud. There are too many colors. That's it. Everyone out. Out. And he's got a, he's got a long stick with a beehive on the end of it. And he just starts chasing people out of the movie theater. Get out. I'm the urban hermit. Get out. Get out so I can watch Endgame in peace. And they've been they've been waiting. They they, yeah. they didn't get any spoilers. They've been ever since last year when they saw all the things that happened in Avengers: Infinity War. They've been on the edge of their seat, and the movie's like five minutes in, and there's too many colors. So the urban hermit <laughs> decides to just abruptly end the. And Charles Dance is just like collecting the cash. What can I do? What can I do? His resume checked out. So he can't fire him. He's like, yeah, you know, people complain. They're like, we tried to watch Marvel Avengers Infinity War Endgame, but the the urban hermit chases Danny DeVito saying this. I tried to watch it, and and and, and the urban hermit chased me out with a bee. Well, I mean, his resume checked out, so you can go back in and watch it. Hello, the auditorium is full of bees. I was thinking that the, the urban hermit is most likely also going to get stung by a lot of bees. Oh, absolutely. He sat there helping himself <laughs> to the popcorn that everyone dropped in their panic fleeing. Eat munching away. Some of the bees have got into the popcorn and they're going in his mouth. He's covered in welts and stings, some of them bleeding. At last! Now I can live my hermit lifestyle by watching Marvel's Infinity Wars end game in peace! So he, uh, oh, it's too loud! It's too loud and there are too many bees in here! But he doesn't Get out, bees! Get out of my movie theater, bees! Oh, there's only one way to solve this. I'm gonna have to chase these bees out with a beehive on the end of a stick! So he runs out, runs out of the auditorium, goes to his locker, grabs a fresh beehive, 
plonks it on the end of his stick and runs back in. Wait, it's a new, it's a new beehive? Oh yeah, get out, you big highfalutin city bees! Get out! So I can watch Endgame in peace. It's too loud. But he just brought more bees into the. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so so he doesn't leave the bees and just goes to another theater. Or just doesn't. He's determined to move to New York to get away from people and to be in a bee-infested theater to watch Avengers Endgame with Endgame, no, uh, which he hates because it's too loud. <laughs> And he, I assume he's yelling at the movie sometimes, too. Oh, constantly. Telling it to be quiet. Thanos is too people! <laughs> there are too many moving shapes! What's a hoimit to do? Also, I've got a sneaking suspicion that rather than chase the original bees out, all I've done is add to their number! Wow, I don't know what's sadder if he was just completely oblivious. You know, like the Dunning-Kruger effect when you are when you have no uh, experience with life and the world and bees and movies, then you feel really confident because you have no awareness of the of the depth of the situation because of your lack, lack of experience. But he understands on some level that he did it. He brought those bees in there. <laughs> well, he's got a sneaking suspicion. Yeah, Don's him. Maybe I'm the reason. But he still doesn't leave, even though he's, he's catching on. Ah, I'm trying to... Oh, I'm trying to sit down and not enjoy Marvel's Avengers Infinity Wars Endgame. But there are too many bees now for this, Hoimit. Being surrounded by a cloud of bees may be fine for these New York City types, but not for a Hoimit trying to live an easy life. And he doesn't just think these things. The movie <laughs> is going them. on, you know, during the movie, it's like Thor is revealing the things that happen. He's yelling them at Chris <laughs> Evans on the screen. Major characters are sacrificing themselves, plot twists that are have been years in the making, and he's too busy yelling about the bees <laughs> he brought in there and, and mulling it over what he's going to do for himself. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to chase these bees out. But I'm a, I'm a wily old hermit. I'm not going to chase these bees out with more bees. Not after that failed. But luckily, in my locker room, I've, I've got a sack full of hoinets. <laughs> so he runs back and he goes, right, opens his locker. Right, where's that sack full of hornets? Where is it? Someone's stolen it. Oh, wait, no, I left it in my co-worker's locker. There was no real room in mine. It's full of beehives. So he goes over to his friend's locker, and his, um, his friend is played by uh, Deborah Messing. Oh, good. A talented performer, Deborah Messing, who is on the floor covered in welts with a bit of sick coming out of her mouth. Um, and she's just... <laughs> on the floor. What's wrong with you? I'm allergic to hornets, you dick. That's what she says. Yeah? Well, get out of my locker room! I'm just a hermit. I came here to be alone with my hornets! Opens the locker, grabs the sack of hornets, unleashes that in the movie theatre. Can you even see anymore in the theatre? Is it just uh, nothing but bees and hornets in the air uh, causing sort of a, a, a black haze, like a fog of insects, stinging insects? Well, that's it. <laughs> Basically, if going into the... the movie theater now it is just a black miasma of 
groaning and droning and pain. Yeah, the sound too, because they they really yeah. buzz those. Uh... And then the urban hermit walks in, takes a seat, reaches a, for a bucket of popcorn, which is fifty percent bees and hornets. Wow. Reaches in, starts munching, covered now in weeping sores. Is ah, that's better. That's better. <laughs> that is not. That's not. There are now so many bees and hornets that I can't see the distracting shapes and colors on the screen. And the movie isn't too loud, because all I'm hearing is... They're probably in his ears, you know? They, they get in there, they look for something, because they got nothing else to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. The inflammation and the proud flesh has covered up my ear holes. What a great day this has turned out to be. I can't see! My eyelids have inflamed! And uh, his boss approves of all of this work workplace uh, behavior. He's thinking, well, my new employee, he can't even see now. He's just a disgusting blob of welts and pus, uh, red, shiny skin swollen to the point where he, he looks like he's about to burst. Just a giant oh, yeah. pained pimple of a man. And Charles Dance is like, well... Charles Dance is there behind his desk. You can just hear in the background just... And he looks directly at the camera and he says, Well, humble viewer, Deborah Messing is dying of anaphylactic shock. The, the urban hermit is watching Marvel's Avengers Infinity's Endgame War, which he drove my entire customer base away from. As he fills my establishment with bees and hornets, they say that all it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. Anyway, I'm going to rearrange these papers on my desk. Wow, you were so close. He really, he was connecting with us. The viewer tried to let us know. And he knows what's going on, and he must not like it, because why would he? <laughs> but in the he end, hates it. He, he probably doesn't like it, but still does nothing about it, from what I can tell. On the edge of my seat, though, I mean, this is a thrill ride. This is... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I sincerely think Lars von Trier, if he ever gets to hear this, he would consider picking this up. He's already on board with Willem Dafoe's involvement. <laughs> That's right. They were in the uh, in the Antichrist movie together, I think. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Antichrist? Or yep. Anti-life? Yeah, Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be a perfect, a perfect fit, a perfect hit. It's a chilly winter's morning. It is? In New York City. Oh, I thought the movie was over. I'm sorry. Oh, hell no. <laughs> and in the New York City streets, Daniel Radcliffe oh. is operating a fruit and vegetable stand. Fruit and vegetables, bananas and apples and grapes. What? I'm selling them all. Oh, come and buy. Suddenly there's this noise of a window opening. Several stories above. And you guessed it. It's the urban hermit. And he's looking out the window, shaking his fist. You! You boy! Look up here, boy. There's a hermit shaking his fist at you. You're going to want to get a look at this action. <laughs> What's this I hear? Is there an hermit up in the sky shaking his fist at me, a humble fruit and veg seller? 
I better get me a look at this action. I can't wait. He looks up. Oh, logs and lordy, there it is. There's the urban hermit. What are you doing down there, boy? I'm selling fruit and veg to feed my poor starving family. Capitalist! I knew it! Capitalists moving in on my serene urban hermit lifestyle! I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind and then a piece of my ass! <laughs> Kicks his door open. Bees and hornets and spiders and crabs come flooding out of it. Getting onto the doorways of everyone else in the apartment complex. And you, hear, you can hear them screaming. Ah! Ah! And then you hear Deborah Messing's voice behind one door saying, Oh, fuck not again. <laughs> but she survives, but now there's crabs. So it's in a way she was better off. Oh yeah, she's even more allergic to crabs. And these crabs are full of hornets. So anyway... Willem Dafoe, the urban hermit, storms downstairs. Takes the stairs, of course. Not the elevator, because he's a hermit. He doesn't believe in elevators. So he storms down 19 stories. And we watch all 19 stories uncut, unedited. As he stomps in, oh, goddamn fucking fruit-veg-selling capitalists interrupting me while I'm being stung by hornets and pinched by crabs. In the old hermit lifestyle. Goes down 19 minutes of it. Just, oh, God, when I get down there, I'm giving him a piece of my mind, and then he's getting a piece of my ass. (laughs) (laughs) And no mistake, making me open my door, letting all my crabs escape. Gonna get more complaints from Deborah fucking messing. Goes down. Bursts out of the the apartment complex while uh, Dan Radcliffe's down there. This all happened 19 minutes ago. He's forgotten all about it. I'm just here selling me grapes, selling me oranges. You, sir, would you like... Oh, God, it's the hermit. Yeah, it's the hermit, all right. I'm here to give you a piece of my mind and a piece of my ass. <laughs> How do you give someone a piece of your... I should You there, boy. You've been disturbing me for the last time. Moving in on my serene Oibenheimit lifestyle. I've I've had this pitch here for six years. You moved in three months ago. We do this every day. Shut up. You know what I think about your industrialism? You know what I think about you moving in here with your concrete and your car exhaust fumes and your lightning seeds LPs? (laughs) Here's what I think. He grabs the bananas on Daniel Radcliffe's stall and throws them onto the floor. Here's what I think. And then he raises his feet and he just starts stamping on all of the bananas and the camera zooms in really close. And his feet are like, re- like oh, how do I describe this? Um, a lot of hair and fungal infection. And the camera is really close. as it is, We just watch the banana mulch just mash between his toes. Uh-huh. And I want to see like those hairy toes just, just squishing and squirming. And it's like Play-Doh coming out of that little Play-Doh factory. It's just this mulched up banana mash just... 
and then it's uh, a close-up shot of his bloodshot eyes as he stares at Daniel Radcliffe. Just, back to the feet. Back up to the eyes. On Daniel Radcliffe now. Oh! 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 Oh, no! Oh, oh yeah! Oh, oh! I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, you see these grapes? They'd look great on the floor with my hairy feet mashing them. <laughs> Throws the grapes down. Stump, stump, stump. <laughs> there, that's what I think of that. <laughs> what does he think? What? I don't. I, all Credits I... roll. <laughs> So it's it's sort of a it's two movies in one in a way. You get a, a full three act. Well, you get three acts, and then you get another act, and then another act, and then the third, the second third act ends with him just stomping those that food under the ground in order to make his point. Yeah, which is that um, he doesn't want the the fumes. He does. <laughs> he's blaming he's blaming Daniel Radcliffe for. The fumes and the city. Yeah, the concrete and the fumes and the lightning seeds LPs. Everything that that stands against uh, a hermit's creed. But he could choose not to live in the city. He moved in three months ago (laughs) and immediately tried to get everyone else out. Basically, this whole movie is a commentary on gentrification. Oh, I didn't. I saw it as a comment because, you know, I'm analytical. I was thinking this reminds me of so many people that I see who create their own problems and then complain about it and don't notice that they could just decide, you know, when you see a guy who's like, why the fuck don't any women like me, those fucking pieces of shit? I'm like, it's because you call them pieces of shit. That's why they if – if you were nicer to women ever, they might not hate you so much. But you, you could – so that's where I went with it. That was my analysis. Was a, someone who paints themselves as a victim when they're, in fact, the one who's causing the problem. Never understood people like that. They were like, oh, women hate me. They're pieces of shit. All women hate me. And I've just learned to accept it. So that makes me better. You've always been nice to women. I've seen you around women and you've been uh, very nice and polite. You, know, you treat them with respect. With me, it's different. Nah, when women aren't looking, I eat their dinner. I'll go into a restaurant. I'll go on a nice date with a with a lady, and I'll be like, "Hello there," and they're like, "Hello." I'm like, well, "Welcome to the date that we're having. Uh, what are you ordering for your uh, for your food there?" Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, potato al gratin. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Do you feel like going to the bathroom now? That <laughs> in a minute. Okay. Oh, you're gonna go now. Okay. Brilliant. While you're gone, I'm going to eat your dinner. And I do. <laughs> that's not That's not entirely. I don't, don't think that's true. Yeah, eat their dinner. <laughs> I had a, a co Not just women either. <laughs> but the men and the... Um... Men, envious, anyone, anyone I'm eating dinner with. You better watch out. You're not. You're not alone on this. I brought a bunch of chocolates. I brought twenty dollars worth of chocolates to a, an office birthday party yesterday, 
And one of my coworkers just grabbed about 10 of the chocolates and put them in our pocket. Brilliant. And I'm looking at her saying, like, why are you doing that? And she said, well, I like these chocolates. And I said, I, do you want me to buy you a bag of chocolates? And she said, no, why would I need a bag of chocolates? Of course. I've got all the chocolates in my pocket that I want. I'm she like, don't need you to buy a bag of chocolates. You've, you've already brought them out into Muhammad. Muhammad put the chocolates in her bag. <laughs> And then someone else said, I want to put some in my pocket. And she said, and she gave her two out of like the ten. <laughs> She's rationing out the chocolates you brought in. I like this person already. She's interesting. She's uh She's she's for real. She keeps it real. She took control of the chocolate situation. She w- with total confidence and no shame whatsoever. That's the way to live your life. Yeah, everyone was there. I asked my, uh, since we're talking about Twitter, I asked my Twitter people. They had suggestions. If we have time, what are we doing for time? Haven't kept track at all. I know it's flown by, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been so much fun talking to you. I'll do a couple. I'm sleepy. Yeah, why not? Uh, Fugu, who is loser Fugu on Twitter, wants me to become a Southern buffet. Nice. I don't know how I would. Would I just be eaten alive? I guess. I think we've already we've had ideas in the past about you not being a buffet. Really, I thought working at one or like. I think we've had food eaten off of you, so you'd have like like country fried chicken and white gravy smeared all over yourself. I have the feeling Fugu wants me to just transform into into a buffet, like just be food. Right, it'd just be like a pile of potatoes and. <laughs> Some lettuce and carrots and a gun and some racist ideas. And then you're a southern buffet. Ha 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 ha! Political! Political, political. We just got political, so shove it up your ass. That's strong. That's, um... Country strong. Yeah. Uh, southern, southern strong? No, that's not one. Boston Strong is one. I Boston known Strong. Because I'm from here. You're, well, you're Boston's favorite son. I, I don't know if I am. Uh, you definitely are. You're a cultural icon. I, I, if I am, which I'm not, my dream is to be a part of Deadly Premonition 2 because that's going to be in Boston. But I don't think it will happen. I've met Swery once in Boston. He didn't hate me, I don't think. And I've complimented him on his games before. But that's not quite enough. You're gonna get in there. You gotta be. You gotta be special. Aaron Newman Palavin, who is Lou Berchick on Twitter, wants me to guest star on a one shot of one of Conrad's other podcasts, like Dice Funk. I didn't know Conrad, who's not the here this week. We miss him. I didn't know he had another show called Dice Funk. What do I know? Yeah. I should be on that. I should ask him about that. Conrad just helped me uh, interview the directors of River City Girls and put it on YouTube on Nintendo Force. That's a weird suggestion because that is just a suggestion <laughs> to raise your profile. I'm not sure how I feel about that. People are taking it fairly seriously. Dead Radical, Josh D, who is Dead Radical on Twitter, says, you cover your head with peanut butter. Sit outside in the cold till it freezes rock solid. Mm. Then headbutt your way into bank vaults. <laughs> Anointing that you're Boston's favourite rhino. <laughs> yes, we were talking about Spider-Man. You could be the real-life rhino. Yeah. The peanut butter rhino. Just a peanut butter, peanut butter-headed guy. Yeah, 
That'd be great. Uh, sequel to Suburban Centaurs? Is there a movie called Suburban Centaurs? Centaurs? Many, many years ago, I floated by the idea of a film starring Willem Dafoe and Vince Vaughn called Suburban Centaurs. You've got a great memory. That's I had no, I could not They got to move that. to civilized society to find love. That was King Crude who suggested that. Louis Fault. I don't know. Oh, that's that. my friend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I know him. I met him through my brother back in the UK. Yeah. Oh, that's Good nice. guy. We used to get drunk on wine and play Final Fantasy IX and do the music to each other. Oh, the... Uh, We'd just be going... <laughs> While off our tits on white wine. So not the feisty fight music or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. None of the cool music. We'd just do that. We would just do that one. Even when not appropriate. It's a great game. Uh, it never was appropriate. No, no. We knew a girl who looked exactly like Meryl from uh, Metal Gear Solid. Really? And we used to say to her, you're the spinning image of the boss. Which she wasn't. <laughs> she looked like Meryl. <laughs> Did she like that? Also, we were being Revolver Ocelot telling her she looked like the boss. And that wasn't even the scene because the person <laughs> who Revolver Ocelot was talking to was Big Boss. So we got everything wrong, but we said it to her every day. Wow. That's a weird way to meet and make a friend. I hope it worked. It might have worked. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I might have liked it. I might have. Uh, the voice of sex, who's Dalek Sex, who's a, a longtime fan of, of yours, and he, he tolerates me too. I've, I've guessed it on his podcast Aww. here and there. He's a very, very nice, very smooth talker, very deep voice, and you know, I love it. Like me? Yeah, sim- very, similar, very similar to you. My rich, deep voice. Mm, baby, baby, I am like that very white guy. <laughs> well, you're not. You are a little like a, a BG, <laughs> a little. You are a little like Barry Gibbs, but not like Barry White. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like- Barry Wyatt from the Bee Gees. <laughs> no, no. That's what I'm doing. I'm off conscious. No, you're doing great. We're almost we're in the home stretch. You've done such a good job. You can't mess it up now. Like it, the show has been so fun to listen to. I was crying a little bit. I was laughing about the, the hermit. That I, I'm sure that no matter what you do now, it will never undo the quality that you've already given. I don't know. Have you seen how some people have tanked their careers? <laughs> I think they're going to, and then somehow they're back. I don't. I don't know. The trick is to be white. You've got it. You've done the trick. <laughs> it's the greatest, the greatest stunt I ever pulled. Political. Yep. We just got political. Shove it up your ass. That's my new song for my satirical politics show. It's called We Just Got Political. Shove it up your ass. Well, now whenever you say ass, I just think about how was how was the urban hermit going to give him. <laughs> Because you can, you can like force other things on people, but you can't force an ass on people exactly. Like it's going to give him a piece of his ass. <laughs> like giving you a piece of my mind means like I'm going to force you to notice what I'm thinking about because I will yell and scream my thoughts into your head. But giving a piece of – not the whole ass either. Just like <laughs> the side of my buttock, this chunk of it. You're going to get this piece. I'm gonna. I mean, this is what we call a sequel hook. People are gonna want to watch Urban Hermit too, to find out how Willem Dafoe gave Daniel Radcliffe a piece of his ass. I mean, uh, it's it's disturbing to think he could cut a piece of his ass. Literally, he could be very concrete and literal about it. Yeah, I mean, he could. 
He could bend over and just try and charge backwards at Daniel Radcliffe's knob. <laughs> that would be that would be funnier. That would be good. So we want Spider-Man, and I've been thinking about Spider-Man. That was an idea you? you had forever ago for me. Uh, I think it was for me. And uh, uh, the, a cartoon was made of it by, by Mom, uh, someone on Twitter named Mom that we know. You know Mom? I know Mom. Yeah, I like Mom. Uh, but Spider-Man is now out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think they need to take that uh, as the final word. I think Marvel could now just create a guy i thought about this um what if they had a guy who just showed up and he said i'm pat porter reporter for the daily boogle and late at night i put on a suit that's it's great and it's sticky i'm the sticky man i got stick to walls i got sticky sticky goo i got punch there's nothing i can't stick to i'd watch it you'd watch sticky man i'd watch sticky man (laughs) The amazing Sticky Man, Sticky Puss Puss. I'd stand for that. <laughs> you brought it right back. You did it. Yeah, I'd stand for that by doing that dance I do in Fortnite. That's the, the twist. The twist and all the Macarena. Well, that's all the things I'm going to read. I feel like I, I didn't totally mess it up either, I hope. I didn't ruin the show with going too far. Uh, you did just great. I did? Yeah. That's a relief. I don't usually like anything I, I'm up to and I'm doing, but I, I don't think I did anything so bad that it's irredeemable i hope that's that's my goal for every day to at least be redeemable by the end and that's it i mean that's all you can hope for you think so too it's a feel like someone somewhere might forgive you (laughs) that's pretty that's pretty much it i know there's a lot of people who won't there's uh i'm blocked i'm on will wheaton's block list i don't know why he's apparently never gonna forgive me and the people who joined him on there. David Boreanaz is never going to forgive me. He knows you, right? He's mad still about that. Hey, he he just blocked me for being a nuisance and that's he was right fair. to do it. That's not fair. You're redeemable, I think. He was right to do it. I kept asking him if he'd change his name to Matt Borealis. <laughs> just because I remembered that name better than I did Dave Boreanaz. That's no reason to change a man's name. And it's not like he was so famous that it was like, wow, he's just getting on me because it's fun to he was on bones at that point you know mid mid tier ratings hit bones so it it was like you legitimately just wanted him to be a different person because he hadn't quite succeeded (laughs) must have stung a little bit but come on he's matt boreanis he's got nothing to complain about yeah that's not how you say his name is it no, you you kind of you mixed up his name with the name I want him to be called. So you kind of found a middle ground, which is more than he ever did. That's true. He could have used me to mediate. Uh, instead, he did the right thing. <laughs> he could have just muted you, though. I mean, that's redeemable. Blocking is a little strong, in my opinion. He was he was right to do it. <laughs> well, the good news is. I don't want to steal your thunder. You can ask me first if you want, but I already have an answer for you. Yes, I do feel more famous. <gasps> I'm feeling like I'm really connecting with the people who appreciate what uh, what I'm delivering to the world. I feel redeemable again, which is nice. I was just playing with a... <laughs> I was just playing with some super glue like a child. <laughs> and now I've got super glue stuck near my mouth. <laughs> That's definitely... 
if you play with Elmer's glue, the white wood glue, then that's organic and, and not entirely definitely bad for you. But super glue, you can smell it from across the room. I mean, it's a, 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 it's a toxic chemical. Yeah, I thought to myself, <laughs> what does this super glue smell like? As opposed to the other ones. As opposed to the other ones. Like, I know I want to point out, I wasn't trying to sniff glue. No, no. I just, in my idiocy, just thought, oh, I wonder what this glue smells like. <laughs> but it's all written, the, the, the bag that the glue is in, or the plastic or whatever, the tube, is already leaking from various points because I kept playing with it. Can you even stop this recording, or do you just need to wait for the glue to dry before you can... I just peeled it off. Oh, that doesn't always feel good. Oh, it wasn't comfortable, friend, but I deserved everything that happened to me. Well, geez, I appreciate you going the extra mile. You could have just said, I'm going to wait, but no, you you tore the glue off in order to give this show a a fine conclusion, a a well-timed, timely conclusion. Yeah, everything worked out okay. Don't smell glue, even if you want to know what it smells like. The answer will always be glue. Yeah, that's good advice, too. There's one to grow on. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, let's stop doing the podcast now. All right. I look forward to it next time. Talk to you next time. It'll be great. Bye. Boston's Favorite Son was performed by Jim Sterling, Conrad Zimmerman, and Jonathan Off-Road Rules. Editing and production by Justin McDaniel. The intro music is Freak Out by Chainmail. Road Rules Northern Trail was an insipid show that shouldn't have happened. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind and then a piece of my ass!